What's up, golfers? Welcome back to the podcast. Tim Connor here, golf coach, golf academy owner out of Spokane Valley, Washington. This podcast is my platform to help people learn about the stuff that I get to see every day in my day-to-day, my week-to-week, my year-over-year teaching golf, the good, the bad, the ugly, the rants, the best practices, all that stuff. It's all right here. Let's hop in and let's talk about how we can help you play better golf. Let's go. Today, on my brainium, my cranium, we're going to talk about stuff that is derailing you from making progress. The stuff that is the hidden wall that you don't know you're running into. I see all of these things all too frequently, and I want you to make the most out of your time and make progress towards whatever is important to you. So let's dig in on a little, on some things that you may not know are hurting your ability to make progress. Your mindset. Your mindset is a premium in golf. The best golfers have the strongest minds. Most importantly, you have some decent fundamentals. And once you have decent fundamentals, you can really dig in on mindset and how to work your way through a round of golf and be productive and be unflappable and be undeniable in your ability to get the golf ball into the golf hole. Having a strong mindset in golf can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but let me tell you what it means to me and what I've distilled it down to. Having a strong mind in golf is really about the ability to focus and be present for one golf shot at a time, to be 100% tuned in on the task at hand and be present and committed to the shot you're trying to hit. Additionally, I would say a strong mindset could be lumped into the ability to work your way around the golf course in a way that makes the most sense. But I would call that more golf course strategy. Your mindset or your ability to lock in on hitting one golf shot at a time is ultra important in the ability and using your golf swing to get the most out of your golf scores. Maybe you've had it happen before where you're playing some of your best golf and you get down the stretch and you falter, you fumble. It's not uncommon. In fact, everyone's done it because we have to learn to be in those moments and that takes practice and reps. But think about what happened to you when that faltering happened. You probably got distracted by something else. Perhaps it was your golf score. Perhaps you were thinking about the fact that you were playing the best round of your life and all of a sudden you hit a golf shot that was not common for what you were seeing that day. Those things happen and uh, it all circles back to the ability to be able to stay present in the moment, focus on one shot at a time, one task at hand, and keep motoring the right direction. The interesting thing in golf is you have to be able to snap in and snap out of that because hitting a golf shot only takes you know, let's say up to 30 seconds, but more likely 10 to 15 seconds. You really just have to be able to snap into that and be present for that one shot. And then you can snap out of it. You can conversate with your peers. You can hang out, listen to music, do whatever is important to you. But for those five to 10 to 15 seconds, you need to be 100% 100% present on the task at hand. And and that comes with, with time and practice and intention. And you can do it. It just takes uh, it takes effort and it's hard. And once you get good at it during a practice round, well, you might have to carry that over into tournament rounds. And that's why tournament golf really can never be replaced by playing tournament golf. You have to play a certain amount of tournament golf if you want to get good at tournament golf. But tournament golf is not what's important to everybody, but it's important to some of you. So if you want to get good at tournament golf, you have to have yourself in those situations and practice being uncomfortable and practice pulling yourself in to the moment and being present for the task at hand. Another thing that's derailing players from making the kind of progress we should be making or we want to be making 
And this is one that I see all too commonly, mainly because I'm a golf instructor and I've seen players that are plateaued or frustrated, is the lack of accurate diagnostics. And what I mean by that is the ability to figure out what is the thing that's really hurting you? Why aren't you hitting the golf ball consistently? Why doesn't your golf ball go where you want it to go? You might hear things like, oh, you didn't, you didn't keep your head down. Or, oh, you swung too fast. Or, oh, you need to tweak your grip this way. I would say all too often those answers are not responsible for why you're not making progress. Commonly, most people aren't making progress is because they're playing with a wide open club face and they're swinging on a swing path that is highly unfunctional and they're hitting the ground or the grass all too often before the ball. All of those things don't add up to consistent ball striking. What adds up to consistent ball striking is swinging on a swing path that's relatively square to the target. Being able to hit the ground in front of the ball, not behind it. And all of the things we talked about earlier, keeping your head down, swinging too fast, all of those things don't impact those things we just talked about. I want you to ask yourself when you are hitting the golf ball poorly, or and what is super helpful in this department, we'll sidetrack a little bit, is being able to hit some shots on a launch monitor and see the pattern. Because there's almost always a pattern for mishits. It's a pattern of a ball curving to the right or curving to the left. There's, there's a pattern there more often than not. Most people see inconsistency, but there's a pattern to that inconsistency. And if you have a way to, to log that in a way where you can see all of those shots in front of you, hit 20 or 30 shots and see what they really look like, you're gonna see patterns to your ball striking. There's a reason that your golf ball doesn't go where you want it to go. And if I'm a betting man, I'm betting that it's not because you didn't keep your head down. It's not because your left arm wasn't perfectly straight. It's not because you didn't have Ben Hogan's grip. All of those things can be helpful, but I'm betting that's not why you're struggling. Most commonly, you're struggling because your club face is too open or you're hitting the ground too early or you're swinging on a club path that's not functional. And with that, there's all sorts of motions and body stuff that goes into that. Your ball doesn't know what your body's doing. Your ball knows what the club is telling it. And the club is held by you and your body is transferring energy into that club. All right, now, not to dive down too deep down that, but when you swing the club on a productive path and hit the golf ball in the style we're talking about, we're hitting the ball and then hitting the ground in front of it, most commonly your body is doing the things the right way. So that becomes kind of a long instructional segment where we talk about the chicken or the egg. Should you talk about the body or the club? I find most commonly for most people, they will get the most out of their thought process and effort by thinking about the club. And in turn, the body will react to the club to get the club doing what we want it to do. The body will react to that. Chicken or the egg, that's a long conversation. Maybe for another day. If you want to hear that one, uh, send me an email, reach out to me on my socials. I like hearing from you guys all the time. And um, just know that your ideas do matter and your thoughts matter because I don't know what you don't know. But having an undiagnosed or a lack of the ability to accurately diagnose what's going on can really impact your ability to make progress because when you're out there practicing, you wanna be practicing things that you're actually struggling with, not fictional things that you could be struggling with. You wanna get down to the details that you are really struggling with and then you can allocate your time and efforts into 
making making those things better. Now, I touched base on this a little bit ago, saying that a lot of people struggle with an open club face that don't know that that is true. And I would just lump this in as to, it's another thing that's really derailing people is many people have an open club face and they don't know that they do. Honestly, this one can be kind of hard to diagnose on your own, but if you use video, if you have some sort of feedback to, to really see what's going on with your golf swing, you can figure out how you're doing with your club face alignments. Some common things that I see. I see players that actually think they hook the ball because their club face is too closed, but they don't. They hook the ball because their club hits the ground early, and when your club hits the ground early, it deflects its shot. So do you have a closed club face? Well, sort of, but you actually struggle with where you hit the ground. And if you hit the ground in the right spot, you would realize that ding, 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 your club face is actually open. Now let's talk about some basic club face alignments so we can at least get you pointed the right direction. When the club shaft is parallel to the ground in the takeaway, we want that club face angled down, say straight up and down was 12 o'clock. We want it angled down towards the golf ball, so the leading edge angled down towards the golf ball. Roughly call it 30 degrees, the one o'clock position. One o'clock is good. It could be at two o'clock. It could be as far as 2.30. It could be as little as 12.30. You have a range of acceptability. Get it within that range of acceptability and then learn from there. At the top of the golf swing, let's not talk about that too much other than knowing that your club face should be roughly in line with your lead arm, but it could be a little more pointed to the sky than your lead arm. If it's more open or pointed towards the ground than your lead arm is, chances are you got a pretty damn open club face. And then when you return in the downswing, we're gonna match up that same position we came in the backswing where that club face is parallel to the ground or the club shaft is parallel to the ground. We want that club face in the one to 130 type position. It could be from 1230 to two, I would say. I wouldn't go as far as 230 here. And that's referring to if the club face is straight up and down, the leading edge, and then we tilt it towards the ground. All right, I like to talk in versions of the clock because I think it, it provides a good visual and it also gives us references for degrees. Every hour on the clock is 30 degrees. 12 times 30 is 360, 360 degrees in a circle. So it gives us some frame of reference so we can be on the same page. And I know via podcast is not always the best way to describe these things, but hey, here we are. We're on a podcast. We're learning. You might be working out. You might be on your way to work. You might be on the golf course. So we're talking. We're not doing video. We're doing podcasting and we're doing our best to, to learn and grow and move forward with this game. So having a club face that's square is really important. Square to closed. I very rarely see an amateur that struggles with a club face that's actually too closed. I almost always see amateurs with a club face that's too open. Now to, to dig in more, if we're talking broad, broad terms here, as we're coming into impact, a lot of amateurs struggle with not enough lead wrist supination meaning your lead wrist, your left-handed wrist for a right-handed player is twisting to the left. As if you have a screwdriver in your hand and you're twisting it counterclockwise. That is supination. As well as flexion. And flexion is if you're reaching your fingers towards your forearms. That's flexion. So a lot of amateurs struggle with not enough flexion or not enough supination. So if you don't know where to start, practice doing that more of it, a lot of it coming into the golf ball. That's how you close your club face, using your hands the right way. Now as a little bonus tidbit here, 
I wanted to add that having a peer group that you surround yourself with that is growth-minded and working to be better on their game can accelerate your learning curve. Now, you could be playing with players that are better than you or worse than you, but the important thing is that they're supportive, that they are open-minded, that they are trying to grow with the game, and that they're not stuck in a narrow box that thinks that there's only one way to swing or that you can't get better or whatever. You want to surround yourself with peers that will support you and your goals and that can be like pouring gas on the fire. So as a bonus tip, and this can be a hard one because you gotta look at the people you play with and ask, okay, are they helping elevate you or not? Are they potentially bringing you down? It's a tough question, but it's one worth asking because the amount of time you're gonna spend with these people is a lot. And if they're pushing you the right direction versus the wrong direction, that can be a big deal over the course of time. You just need to ask, hey, how are these people that are close to me? What are they like? How are they, are they helping me or are they hurting me? And uh, that can be tough to do, but it's an important part of self-reflection and it will help you progress much faster if you're playing with people that want you to grow and support that effort. Anyway, y'all, thank you so much for hanging out for the podcast. I appreciate you for being exactly who you are. Reach out to me anytime on socials or via email. I don't know what you don't know. Leave this thing a review, share it with a friend, and um, I'll catch you back here same time, same place next week.